come your face always isn't covered by the mic like mine is? I mean, it's kind of like at mouth level. It's not like your nose needs to be in it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these things work. I try not to change anything. <laughs> oh, also, I did start listening to the Art and Sound or whatever podcast it is. I started oh, was it good? I really like it. What's our format? An interview? Yeah. Let's plug it. Can we plug it? To be like, hey, guys. Yeah. Everyone, if you like Brad, since you like this, you hey, might Brad. also, we're like Amazon. If you like Metal Brow, you might also <laughs> like Sound and Vision. Thank goodness. Otherwise, how would I find anything? I need someone to tell me at all times. Welcome to Middle Brown. I'm here with my best friend in the whole world, Lindsay Schultz. That's me. I'm here with my best friend in the whole universe. What? Why are you always trying to up to me? <laughs> in all of the universes, all paralleled realities, in every direction, all of Moya. Imagine I was still your best friend if you met everyone Imagine in all the universes. All the universes. <laughs> <laughs> she suddenly is into John Lennon after watching yesterday. <laughs> I told Danny at the end of that movie, I was like, all I can hope from this is that Lindsay starts like semi liking the Beatles. And I then love my the life Beatles. What will be mean? complete. I feel like you're never all that excited about <laughs> And a I lot of people I meet that are my age are just like, yeah, I mean, I know they're supposed to be good and stuff, but I don't no. really like them. Eleanor Rigby's my favorite. I have a, I Eleanor. think our, our periods of the Beatles are different. You like more of the psychedelic period, don't you? I do, but I like everything. Okay. Not as much <clears throat> maybe the super beginning, like, I want to hold you. I mean, I love those songs, but I, not as That's much. what I listen to. So when oh. my friend Monica and Eleanor I Rigby listen is not to on it, that. yeah, it is on the one album. The very first one? No, I think it was like the best of the Beatles. You know, oh, like yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I listen to the most of. And I love Eleanor Rigby. So with my friend Monica, I listen to that the most. And then with Becky, I listen to Help the most. Like we made a whole montage help. video to help. Need somebody. And for her wedding, that was my song that I enter to. Oh, I so love don't it. Tell me that I, I had no like idea. I had no idea. Every time I mention it, you just laugh at me. So well, I don't know. Well, you're supposed to tell me what you're thinking. The Beatles. Oh, I don't know. Your obscure band. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, every time I mention the Beatles to anybody, they nod and pretend like they know what they're ta- I'm talking about. And then at some point, they're just like, yeah, I mean, I know they're supposed to be good, but I don't really like uh, them. Don't talk to them anymore. Just walk away. I don't away. like those people. Well, this isn't a Beatles podcast. <laughs> anyway, welcome Although to the Beatles be podcast. our fifth podcast. <laughs> You know what? I think people appreciate how passionate we are about everything. <laughs> Welcome to Middle Brown. We are a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by completely average human artists. Nothing is special about us. We talk about art. We try to be super interesting. It's for artists and for people who want to know about art but might be intimidated. We're right there with you. And our resident autocorrect. Dana will be with us. We changed her name from CEO to autocorrect. Yeah, we thought that was way more um, accurate, relevant, yeah, because she just comes right in there without even warning us and changes it for us. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, we you should know. It's a pretty big I thing. Know. We have an Instagram, so follow us on Instagram. You're going to see on our stories, you're going to see all sorts of like things we talk about randomly and recommendations for books and I show little clips of 
the videos that we talk about in here and where to find them. And then um, in our actual posts, we post all of the images we talk about. So go follow us there and like, rate, review, subscribe. All of those things help. Tell your friends. Tell their, please tell your friends. Sooner or later, if you guys don't really like us that much, we're just going to peace out and be like, fine, we're done. You're giving so. me an ultimatum? <laughs> yeah, I threatened them. <laughs> Actually, we'll just make secret episodes just for Brad. <laughs> uh, we just text him. Here's our episode we made just for you. He's like, I don't like you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dark on Brad. I really picture him as like the chillest, coolest guy who just laughs when we're being dumb. Oh, and by the way, we have a Patreon and we would really appreciate. (laughs) It sounds so mean. We would just really appreciate if you would (laughs) give us some money. (laughs) But just so you know, guys, the Patreon will be so helpful and it truly will get us to the point where we're like putting on more episodes we promise we won't give you shit like brad brad is special and you're just not as special as brad no offense so the artist today is i'm gonna need a lot of auto correcting because i looked up zero percent of how to say any of these words his name is l anatsui l anatsui and he is from well he's from ghana but he like moved to Nigeria and has lived and taught there for like most of his life. Come to find out, I asked Dana if she spoke any Nigerian. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, in true Dana fashion, she was like, no, but I have a friend who does. (laughs) Thank you to Dana and her friend. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. I'm so ready. Tell them what he looks like because I just want to hug him. I love his flag shirt. Yeah, he has a fl- he has like a button down short sleeve shirt that has all the flags on it. He has white hair. He's mm-hmm. um not a young man, young at heart. Yeah. He okay, he's a Ghanaian Ghanaian sculptor is how I would categorize him, but he probably wouldn't be super happy about that because he doesn't like to be put in a box about what he does i think he i mean he's really nice about it he's so sweet he's not like cliff he's not like fuck you don't call me don't even talk about me he's not like he's not like that at all anyway he's very sweet about it but he's just really clear that he doesn't want to be categorized as anything but an artist but too bad he's a sculptor um (laughs) he okay this is a huge list of things he's done i'm just gonna read a few of them although i thought it would be really funny if i read the whole thing and you sped it up super fast and it was like i'll see if i can do that so Um, i'm just reading it really fast oh jesus okay uh so first of all he's been represented by jack shaneman gallery since oh five uh, so that's like his main. Nineteen oh five. Young at Since heart for eighteen oh five. He's a he's a vampire. <laughs> he's the cutest vampire. I'd let him. Okay, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I almost did it. Um, so here's a gigantic list of things. I'll say it really fastly. Fast. I'll say it really fast. Exhibited at the Brooklyn Museum, the Clark Institute, Rice University Art Gallery in Houston, Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, (laughs) National Museum of African Art and Smithsonian Institution of Washington, Fowler Museum at UCLA, Venice Biennial, Liverpool Biennial, National Museum of African Art, the Center of Cultura 
Contemporanea de Barcelona and the eight Osaka sculpture triennial public collections include Metropolitan Museum of Art, New York. Museum of Modern Art, New York. The Brooklyn Museum, New York. The, why are they writing it so many times? The <laughs> Le Centre Pompidou. Is that how you say that? Paris. The Los Angeles County Museum of Art, California. Uh, what? Those are tripping me up. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Akron Art Museum, Ohio. The St. Louis Art Museum, Missouri. Museum Kunst Palace. Dos Dusseldorf. The Setagaya Museum, Tokyo. And the British Museum, London. Ooh. That was so intense. <laughs> he famous. That's why I felt super uncultured and fucking wanted to punch myself when I found his work and just had no idea who he was. How did you find his work? I went to Denver Art Museum Mm. and I actually was looking for Mark's work and from far away it almost looks like Mm -hmm. it because, well, you'll see, but um, so I went up to it and I was like, is the and then I was really confused because it's made up of all these little metal pieces and I'm like this isn't his and then I looked and then I just wrote it down and I was like someday I'll look it up and see who this person random person is <laughs> turns out he's f- the most famous one of the most famous artists on the this whole planet. new kid on the block with yeah who's this bottles. new little guy uh so just on a general level his work raises questions about ethnic identity by combining like traditional African techniques and imagery and stuff with abstraction, which arguably is rooted in Western art. So abstraction. Yeah. Uh, we own it. So (laughs) I guess, uh, so hi, my name is Olive and I found a cheat sheet for this podcast. (laughs) It's the Tate's website. Uh, literally question. It was key questions like, who is he? Why does he use recycled materials? What are his themes? What do critics say about him? Oh, so they and did all the research for you. They did this. all my research. And then a short to the point answers. And it was a dream. It was like, it was like I read the secret and then cut out pictures of an intern that would do all my work for me. <laughs> and then poof, the Tate is my intern and all my dreams came true. So not really, though, because then this podcast would be three minutes long because at first I was really excited and then like the page was over and it was like a few sentences. So but it's good if you're looking for like a quick overview on an artist. Okay. Short and to the point. Uh, So using our handy dandy notebook, let's get to this overview before we actually get into book, you know, like from Blue's Clues. (laughs) Oh, here's i just gave you this piece because i didn't know where to put it and i wanted you to see it here's uh gravity and grace in no particular order because it's just here at the beginning um it's from 2010 but it's would you like to describe it i mean i know this is a far away photo but it's crazy so it basically looks like a heavy fabric tacked up on the wall with weight wrinkles throughout it or kind of like flabby skin like someone who was 400 pounds and lost 300 pounds (laughs) it looks exactly like that now i can't look at it differently (laughs) gross Um, it's a lot of draping like where the red is it kind of looks like where the belly button would be oh that's kind of what mine looks like because i had a baby (laughs) (laughs) not that bad though that's really intense um but like saggy skin in a beautiful way it's like glistening and shiny and looks like gold it's most of it looks either gold kind of going into silver but then there's like 
gradient-y portions of like mm-hmm. a pop of red and then there's a yellow on the right side. And a baby blue. And baby blue on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And the edges are all, it's not like a rectangle. It's, it almost looks like a really large hide or something. Yeah, like all frayed and irregular mm-hmm. on the edges. Yeah. Okay, so that's just to get you an image in your brain. So he makes sculptures from thousands of aluminum bottle caps from alcohol or like old milk tins or printing plates. He flattens them and attaches them like loosely so that they move almost like fabric or something Mm -hmm. um, with copper wires. And so he creates these huge movable sculptures, something between sculptures. I'm sure you're going to answer this at some point, Mm -hmm. but are they always hung up? the same wherever they're hung or do people hang them differently um that is a great question they're always hung differently and he insists on it and he it's a big part of his work he does not want to give them any direction about Mm -hmm. how to hang it or very rarely he may just be like you know what if it was on the left side a little bit more or something Mm -hmm. but he takes a lot of pleasure in forcing people to be creative and like he says it like life, like different lives or like parts of lives for these pieces. So yeah, there's something between like a sculpture and painting. They can hang on the wall like a painting, but they can be folded and crumpled to have different configurations that become three-dimensional sometimes that flow on the floor. Mm. Um, Art News said, the use of bottle caps hints at broader topics such as global consumerism and its history, including slavery. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a big part of his work. Um, I think it was also Art News that said, the link between Africa, Europe, and America is very much a part of what is behind... Oh, no, he said this. (laughs) (laughs) L said this. The link between Africa, Europe, and America is very much a part of what is behind my work with bottle caps. The concept of the wall, the idea that the wall is a human construct done to do so many things like sequester you, or create a barrier between you and something, protect you or deprive you from your freedom. These ideas are what are behind these works. But L himself talks a lot about these recycled materials that have, he feels like they have this energy because they've been touched by many layers of different people. Uh, He says, the people who make a drink, the people who drank them, my assistants and myself, which give them a spiritual dimension. Or a and deadly I, dimension during no, yeah. COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't touch it. Elle, please don't touch it. You're over 70. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, and I love that concept that that things hold, because I feel that way about what I'm doing now with like these places. Like I feel like things and places hold so much value, many layers of value to different people. Mm-hmm. And um and somehow people all touch those things and it changes what they are. So I like that idea as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. What are, what his, are his themes? Asks the Tate website. Consumption, transformation, and the environment. Uh, there's obviously a lot more in there. Like language is a big one. And his connection with Africa while having a, des- a desire to transcend place. Um, like he didn't want to just be stuck being an African artist. You know, he wanted it to be something that everyone could look at and see as good because 
uh, you know, like Africa and places like that don't have a very great history of Western art recognizing them as anything besides African yeah. and like not placing them in the canon, of the, like the same canon as us, basically. I mean, clearly he loves to represent Africa and he's very yeah, proud of yeah. doing all the African shows. Like a lot of the shows that he's in are like African art. But yeah, he does want to transcend that as well. <laughs> Oh no, what, what? I was just taking a breath and then I saw what I wrote and I feel so... Why am I making all these weird comments? Okay, there's... <laughs> okay, there's our, our base Were you layer. drunk when you wrote this? I wasn't. I'm not even drinking. I haven't been drinking for weeks. Uh, okay, right, say there's. this is my normal sense of humor. That's what's so sad. It's so embarrassing when I have to tell someone else about it, but this is what's in my brain. Okay, so there's our base layer of seven-layer dip, the, the cream cheese with taco seasoning in it. That's how they do it in the Midwest. Uh, next is guacamole. What's guac? Guac is early life in school. <laughs> Makes no sense. Here is where Dana's friend is going to start helping me. I mean, he's probably been helping me already, but... Okay, so we're in Anyako, Ghana. It's 1944. I'm there. Before any of us were born. Before (laughs) 1945. Literally right before 1945. Um, What had just happened? World Wars. It was not the best time for... All the world was in the war. (laughs) Literally the whole world, except for Switzerland. And our boy L, he was born Emmanuel... Kwame Anatsui. So his name, he didn't like his name, apparently. I totally understand that because my name is not technically Olive. So, <laughs> so But your last name is Emmanuel. It is. Well, it was, yeah, yeah. which is weird. Only one M, though. Yeah. Um, he's born <laughs> the youngest of a cool <gasps> and casual 32 children. His father apparently yeah. sired with five or six wives. Sired. Is he like a stallion? Which is technically a baby daddy or like a sperm donor. Um, whichever, whatever he is. We're pretty certain that he wasn't really allowed. He wasn't like around or, you know, playing catch with him in the front yard and stuff. Okay, I don't know if this is also inappropriate because maybe that's just what's normal there. And we're like, you have to have a normal... idea of what marriage or relationships are which means this monogamous family with like one to nine children nine if you're mormon i (laughs) i completely considered that so however whomever well yeah that could totally be true but he he didn't the facts are he did not spend that much time with his dad it seems like Mm -hmm. and he was raised by his uncle um and he also didn't really like his uncle either. So I don't know. It doesn't seem super exciting in his eyes, but that could just be a very small snippet of information. So maybe it's normal, uh, it, especially in 1944. Things were Many things were different in 1944. Yeah. So, and it could be cultural, but holy hot shit. That's crazy. It reminds me of Michael Scott being like, I want to have a hundred kids so I can have a hundred friends and no one can say no to being my friend. (laughs) This is so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
yeah, so that was fun for him. The youngest, though. Imagine being the baby wow. of 32. It's hard being the baby of two. I can't even imagine. I don't know what it's like to be a baby. <laughs> can't even imagine. I'm the oldest of two. <laughs> okay, so he's raised by his uncle, who was a Presbyterian minister, which sounds really fun <laughs> and exciting. Um, but he was never super into religion. I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. He was a good student, but when he decided to go to university to study fine arts, his uncle was pissed. Why? Because he's a there's Presbyterian art, minister who's a bad art uncle. in religion. Mm, yeah. Well, I don't think he was jazzed about it. The article said he was <laughs> aghast. But I, <laughs> because of that word, I picture him with like steam coming out of his ears, like in cartoons. That's anyway. a strong word. Yeah, aghast. He was. I don't know. I knew Maybe if I put it, you would not believe me. So I said he was pissed. Uh, so remember how his name wasn't originally L. He gave himself this name L because when he left for to go to school because he wanted something short and neutral, and clearly he wanted to change his identity from his previous part of life. Is this, this a story need- where he left because he thought he wanted to get rid of himself, but then he returned to embrace himself? Like a good classic Hollywood story? I don't think so. He did never really go back to Ghana, so. Where did he go to school? Nigeria. Okay. So, and his name, his name is still ill. So this need for things to be neutral will be a theme with him. He just wants things to be neutral. Um, although it backfired a little bit, I guess, because it never occurred to him that people would assume he was Muslim or Arab because of it. Mm. I didn't know that L was a Muslim or Arab name. So is anything really neutral, though? Yeah, I don't think anything is neutral. I don't know what he was thinking, but in his uh, defense, he's probably like seventeen or something. So yeah, I mean, it's a great time to change your name at <laughs> seventeen when you know nothing. I tried to change my big name decisions in third grade. <laughs> on all my homework. I'm like Kate, aka Lindsay. You just picked a different random name, <laughs> and then a girl <laughs> named Kate came into our class, and I was like, just kidding. I'm Lindsay. <laughs> and your teacher's like, yeah, I know. I was never going to call you Kate. Ever. I even put a sticky note on her home microwave that said, please call me Kate now. It's <laughs> so cute. I bet you, like, as a parent, you're so offended. You're like, I picked this out special for you. Like, my mom is sometimes slightly offended that I changed my Aww. name. Um, in my defense... There was like 16 Nicoles in my school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and five of them were in all of my classes. I had to change wow. my name. Nicole E. Yeah. Or Nikki Nicole. E. It was like Nicole G, Nicole mm-hmm. O, Nicole E. So then in middle school, I, I did the same thing. I insisted to be called Nikki. Mm-hmm. And I spelled it with two I's at the end. Oh, edgy. And then um, people started calling me Nakai. <laughs> to be dicks. <laughs> and then um, I would not respond to Nicole. And also, when I was younger, my birth mom, I found out somehow randomly that my birth mom had intended to name me Natasha Roxanne. And I thought that was the most badass name (laughs) in the whole world. So whenever I played pretend, I was Natasha Roxanne. 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 Okay. Where am I? Okay. He graduates from College of Art, University of Science and Technology in Kumasi. Kumasi, uh, and is offered a teaching position at the University of Nigeria, Nsuka. 
I, I kind of think I'm close on that one because I've heard people say it. Watch, it's not even close. <laughs> uh, and has been in that job ever since. Although then I found out later that he <laughs> retired in 2010. So the article <laughs> I was reading was old. Uh, but basically his whole professional life, he worked there. Okay, this is young him. Oh, I know. Look at him. He's so cute. And this is him. This is a very sultry portrait. And then over like a thoughtful portrait. And then on the left is him working on a clay sculpture in school. Uh, One girl, a student of his did an interview for this, this film that I was going to watch, but then I had to order this actual DVD. And so I didn't do it. Um, Talked about how he quote, he has never said the work was good like about her own work, which pushes me. And I thought that was so funny because it seems like he's so sweet. And all I can think of is how badly I would want his approval. If he were my teacher, I'd be like, just love me, please. (laughs) Just say what, just look at it a certain way and I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Also reminds me of the 100 Humans episode, how people respond better to positive positive reinforcement instead of, yeah, but maybe this girl's an anomaly. Well, the, it depends the on so many factors. So, was so mean, so mean, and it's not something they care about. I feel like if you get criticism, criticism on something that you're passionate about, then you go back and try harder. If it's something you're you're not interested in, of course like you're not going to try points. harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, he didn't say it was bad. He just didn't say it was good. Yeah. <laughs> he was being neutral. <laughs> Let's be neutral. And maybe the girl has issues with approval. Most likely. Let's judge her. She probably has issues. so hard right now. We don't know her, and that's the best time to judge someone. Yeah, there's no way she's ever going to find us. (laughs) So, yeah, girl, get your issues in check. Why does it say that? (laughs) Proof. Are you sure you weren't, like, in a blackout doing this research? I was wa- also watching a three-year-old, which doesn't help. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is someone who, so there was like one piece written by this guy who went with some other people to just kind of be around him and write something about him. And so at some point, I think this is what he wrote about it, uh, or like kind of like describing. Someone calls him prof, I think, instead of professor. Mm. Whatever, I shouldn't have even included that. A quiet, this is a quote from someone I don't know. A quiet, white-haired bachelor member of the senior faculty club where he can be found most evenings playing checkers as a puzzled but admiring Nigerian art dealer put it. He's almost kind of a messiah for us. But in person, there's nothing, absolutely nothing remarkable about him. Which seems like such a mean thing to say about somebody. But I think they were just trying to be like, <laughs> I don't know. That's a mean thing to say, no matter how you spin it. But I think they just meant like, yeah, he's just a normal dude who plays checkers. And but so they think so highly of him, but there's no. Or mis- maybe just like he doesn't have an ego type. Maybe that's what they were trying to say. Like he's like their messiah. But in person, he's just a normal dude and he's not like uppity and whatever about there's it. There's a better way to say that than there's, n- there's absolutely nothing. There's remarkable. maybe 50 more ways better to say it. I think what we should take away from that is just that he's a cool guy. 
Okay, so here's the 60s and 70s, which is like when he graduated and after. Okay. He graduates, starts working, like I said earlier, as a lecturer in a fine art and, and in the fine and applied arts at the University of Nigeria. Nsuka. He starts off making ceramic and wood sculptures when he gets there. Um, what do you mean when he gets huh? there? When after he graduates? When he I- gets, yeah, no, when he gets there, like when he starts school. I'm pretty sure when he gets to school, he starts working with ceramic and wood. And then he continues doing that after he graduates and becomes a lecturer and stuff. And if he doesn't, no one's going to know. Yep. And whatever. The timeline doesn't matter. He did it. And that's what matters. We're not here for facts. (laughs) Are you asking me for specifics? Jesus. Uh, The Ghanaian economic situation was pretty bad. Because of post-colonization. So <laughs> I, I cannot get this shit through my brain. Ghana regained independence in 1966. Like it just completely blows my mind to think about the fact that they were a colony for so long mm-hmm. and and all the things that happened to them. And then thinking about like 1966 in America and how fucked up shit was then too. And it just doesn't seem that far away. And I just don't yeah. even... I mean, things are still problems now, clearly, but I just, it's insane to me. Like, people living now lived through that. It's insane. So, I don't know why I I was putting it together, but I just kind of thought it was, like, in the history of Ghana or whatever. But no, he lived through it. So, he was, like, a young man coming out of school while this was happening. The economy was super bad, and there was, like, all these problems happening because they were trying Mm -hmm. to get back on their feet and just become their own thing and decide how to be um so out of this frustration he begins making this broken pot series he says from thinking about the idea of breaking not as an end but as a beginning when the pot breaks as a ceramicist you can grind the pieces into clay for a fresh substance which becomes stronger as a result no way so i like that idea and it totally relates to what he was what the whole country was dealing with so here is no idea how to pronounce that gabiz gabez or gabiz i couldn't find any people saying this only robots and the robots did not agree with each other so i'm not sure 1979 so it kind of looks like i'd i'd read some things where people were talking about the idea that these things on the inside of the pot are like writhing snakes or something but it's like a broken pot with kind of faint um markings on the outside or like symbols or decoration of some sort Mm -hmm. there's like little pieces taken out of it and then there's like a big chunk at the top that's taken out and then on the inside there's made from i mean it's like you take a pot you smash it on the floor and you're trying to put it back together but some pieces are missing right right so and then whatever this inside stuff is like the same exact material but just like little i don't know what you would call those they almost look like hollow fingers of clay (laughs) yeah yeah so he he makes a lot of these and um they all look pretty similar to that and then so that's what he's doing first and then he talks about he says i'd been working with ghanian Adinkra, sorry, symbols printed on cloth for a long time. These symbols were very intriguing to me, not only because they re- refer to proverbs, 
but they also try to graphically encapsulate abstract concepts such as the soul, versatility, God's omnipotence, and so on. I discovered the round wooden trays in the market where they were used for displaying wares. I traced the carvers to their village and I stayed with them while they worked on the trays I commissioned. What was important to me was that I was working with a local form and a very low tech process. Mm. So he's so interested in his history. For some reason, it almost seems like he feels, I don't know if it's disconnected is the right word, but he just wants to really connect with his roots and like put that out into the world back Mm -hmm. again. So here's one of those trays. It's called On Their Fateful Journey Nowhere. 1974 to 75. And yeah, it just kind of looks, how would you describe it? Yeah, it definitely looks like a wood serving tray and around the outside edge, there's different sections where it's just different patterns that are like burned into the wood. So whether it's more like scribbles or lines kind of etched over each other or circles that are painted. I feel like some of that is like metal scrap yeah, or something like too. Metal or abalone or different things like that. Yeah. And then in the center, it's you can see mostly the wood, but then there's the burned in footmarks over each other and the dark circle that they're walking towards. Yeah, are they going in like a hole or something? I don't know what that's But lots of it's Almost like a soldering tool or, you know, some kind of burning pen. He definitely burnt, like when he was working with wood a lot, he used, he burns and in some of the wood pieces, I don't think I put them in here. He was using a chainsaw, like he was mm. just like mm-hmm. putting tons of gouges into like big, long pillar pieces of wood. Audrey from widewalls.com says, ever since his earliest years as an artist, El preferred to work in clay and wood as these materials enabled him to create objects heavily based on traditional Ghanaian beliefs, motifs, and subjects. This enabled him to feel proud of his heritage and have a distinct feeling of belonging. So he makes these trays early on, but then he starts making things with wood slats. And the one I'm going to show you is kind of an anomaly because it's vertical and almost all of them are horizontal. Okay. Uh, but they incorporate this symbol language that I had said before, which he calls adinsubli, um, which is just a clever, they said it's a clever acronym made up of the aforementioned Uli, Nisibidi, and Adinkra symbols. But I don't, is that what an acronym is? I thought an acronym was a letter for each word. For each, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry, but Andre from Wide Walls is wrong. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but this is more like a Frankenstein word. Um, I like this example because it's my favorite thing in the world to see a sketch for something and then the actual thing. Like, I love going to retrospectives because they do that all the time. Like, mm-hmm. here's the sketch and here's the actual. Yeah. It, I'm just such a sucker for it. It's my crack cocaine is what I wrote. Again, oh need God. to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so I like all I know you're super into symbols or mm-hmm. or like different symbolic type language stuff. I think it's really cool when you really look into it. So this is an example of the cloths that he was talking about. Um it's a traditional Ghanaian funeral cloth. I don't know exactly what they use them for, 
in a funeral, but really beautiful. It's like mostly black and white and each almost like a quilt pattern Mm -hmm. where there's like a big square and then inside different ways of repeating different symbols in little squares. And then each row of big squares is kind of separated with this colorful strip of fabric. Yeah. But like you could just go through and pick out each symbol and what each square means putting those symbols together and stuff so i think it's kind of supposed to represent those people's lives and who they are it's really Um, nice yeah i think it's like a beautiful way to communicate something and that's Mm -hmm. so different from at least especially in western culture that's not the way at least we don't have those things that survived anymore Okay, so here's the sketch for the piece that I was telling you about that's vertical. It's called When I... I love this long title. I, I'm a sucker for long <laughs> titles also. It's called When I Last Wrote You About Africa, I Used a Letter-Headed Parchment Paper. There were many blank slots in the letter. Dot, 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 I can now fill some of those slots because dot, 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 I have grown older. Wow. 1986. <laughs> and if you look closely, he had like things filling in where the long dot 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 dots were mm-hmm. but then he took it out and just replaced it with the dot dot dots and he has all these symbols scribbled on it and i just love looking at the sketch of it okay so so here it is it's just like many slats of wood not what i was picturing arranged down and then with on it it's an illustration of a parchment pa- yeah. piece of parchment paper and then on that parchment is all these symbols. And it's, again, like the burned-in tool or something. Uh, here's another example of what the horizontal... Most of them are like this. The larger one below it looks like the black is a material applied on top of it, though. Right? Unless it's it, like carving into it. It might be. It looks more be. three-dimensional. Oh, no. I think it's carved in. Yeah. I'm almost positive it's carved in. Like, look oh, at the but, big chunks. Like, that looks like it's built up, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't decide if that's like, you know, when you draw a three-dimensional square Cube. with lines, you can see it going out away from you or towards you. Yeah. I wonder if it's that. Because I'm yeah. almost positive it's carved in and then painted or burned or around something. This bottom one, I feel like the symbols aren't as clear. It almost is like abstract expressionism, line work mm-hmm. meets symbols yeah definitely i think you can see the progression right from the trays where he's literally Mm -hmm. having someone else do it who probably makes those symbols all the time and then he's you know interpreting them more on this other thing and then as time goes on they just get more and more abstracted so that so that work we were just talking about is called sacred secrets unfolding 2006 and the cool thing I like about this one is the line weight varies. There's some really thick lines and really fine lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, among the first things that attracted his interest were the traditional adinkra symbols, the pictograms often found on fabrics like we just talked about with the specific meanings. Um, it fascinated him because of their forms, like just aesthetically, uh, much in the same way he'd been attracted by the forms more than the meaning of the English letters in preschool, which is so funny because I was trying to think, I asked Danny, I was like, do you remember learning to read or write your letters? And I certainly do not. I don't think I remember very much from preschool at all, except making homemade Play-Doh and how it was warm and I could like smell it. 
And um, I remember Heidi pierced her ears, and I really wanted to do it, too. I My preschool was the, across the street from a cemetery, and we would go across the street oh. to collect material. So we had, like, these little Play-Doh snowmen we would make. But we'd get, like, the acorn caps and, like, sticks and things like that from the cemetery and then put them on our little snowmen. And there was one mausoleums right the like, mm-hmm. house things so scary there was like, a mausoleum there and i would pretend like this is my house and blah 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 oh i didn't God. really understand they just let you play we there yeah we just it was right across wow, the street so it was kind of like a park that we'd go there collect natural materials and then come back and put our stuff together great that was my <laughs> preschool experience well, well my and I went to a Christian preschool for like a second, but I came home singing too many religious songs, so my dad pulled me out right away. <laughs> I can totally see your dad being like, nope, that's nope. not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the preschool I went to was like a lady's house, and it was like super 70s. It must have been like a custom-made home or something, but it had one of those sunken living rooms. <laughs> was so weird and we would have like circle time like that's where we would go in the morning for like circle time in the sunken living room was very strange okay the 90s yeah my butterfly sugar baby (laughs) (laughs) and spice girls and then all the way in africa (laughs) so he's having a breakthrough which will change his life he's wandering around probably headed back from the grocery store or like teaching a class you know just are you just trying to paint the picture right now trying to paint a picture yeah listen and listen comes across (laughs) don't interrupt me while i'm painting a picture he comes across this bag of tin can lids in the bush. But then later I was doing more research and he actually drove past the bag, stopped his car and got out. So okay. that's actually how it happened. Imagine the parallel universe we just drove on by. Exactly. That, that's why I pictured him walking. I was like, why would you stop at a random bag at the, on the side of the road? But Unless you think there's puppies in it. He finds all these lids. When he and when he's talking about milk lids, he's t- he means like evaporated milk. So he takes them home to his or back to his studio, and they just like they sit there for months, and he doesn't know what he's gonna do. He's classic artist hoarding situation. Yep. And he's like, someday I'm gonna do something with these weird lids. <laughs> this bag full of trash. <laughs> I have so many things like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she's just like burden let me just buy three of these lampposts someday i'll make something with lampposts and he just collects like thousands of boom nothing small yeah uh so at least these were just a small bag of lids trash so he ends up joining them together which surprisingly makes a soft sort of sculpture again like i was talking about like a blanket of metal (laughs) real soft astronauts love it i've seen it (laughs) it just makes me think of how you're gonna kill yourself touching it (laughs) wait what like because have you ever touched like a lid from a tuna can or something you just cut yourself i mean i think of like handling these blankets of slicey lids all slicing up your hands it's like sharp metal lids how does he wire them does he like puncture them and wire it through yeah i'll have a close-up picture coming up at some point but yeah he makes there's also a video that i'm having you watch but they like put a like a thing on it and then they hammer it down to make a like holes on all sides okay one two three four like four or something and then they use this copper wire 
And so then they're just like blankety. So look down here. I love it's so, this one. I knew you would. I love it's it. so pretty. It's called Drain Pipes 2010. So this one is like long tubes of these connected tin can lids and they're laid on the floor and then they kind of like come up onto the wall. They look like a family of snakes, but in the best possible way. Or like snake skins almost. Mm -hmm. And they're just like floppy. And kind of soft like when Mowgli rides the snake. Yes. Yeah. That's a good... I forgot about that scene. Yeah. They're just like floppy and weird. So then when... I think I have the video in here where they move them. The sound when they move them is the coolest sound ever. Um, so here's another, if you go down, this one's called Peak Project, and it's like a this blanket. This kind of work makes me think, like, there is so much magic in everyday materials. Mm-hmm. I love work that doesn't need to be overcomplicated with crazy processes. Yep. It's just about imagination and putting things together in an interesting way. Doesn't need to be fabricated, Mm-mm. fancy, you don't need it. I love I mean, this. just, it's so cool. I really love these tin can ones a lot. So Peak Project 1999, it's kind of like a double layer blanket of them. And then on, What's it's laid on. What's underneath it? I don't know, actually. But it's laid along the ground. And then on one side, there's something underneath there. It almost looks like, so this is me projecting. It looks like a kid is under a blanket, you know, with like a flashlight and reading. Mm-hmm. Like that's totally. kind of the silhouette. Yeah, like it's just like almost pointy like a mountain, but soft like a, someone's head would be under there yeah. looking down at a book like Lindsay's saying. Well, I don't know if anything is actually under there because it might be on this one. But some of the other ones that they rearranged them totally different, they made them into mountains by just like form like form it like pulling them up and setting them a certain way and they just made these really beautiful mountains yeah do i have a picture of them down here no damn it um okay john mcdonald had a farm (laughs) what is happening john mcdonald had a farm i don't know but john mcdonald said an even more important discovery of 1998 was a bag of tops from alcohol bottles and Atsui began to flatten the tops and link them with copper wire, creating sheets that made use of the color and reflective qualities of the material. The genie <laughs> was out of the bottle. Did you say that? <laughs> no, he said it, which is why I had to insert Christina Aguilera in here. Oh, God. How did that song go? That was such an inappropriate song for... I was so young when I listened to that song. My parents, they must have known I had no idea. <sighs> the lyrics are so bad. We would sing it and dance yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, the genie was out of the bottle. dad and listening to them like, what are you listening to, Nicole? I'm sure it was my mom to be like, she has no idea. She thinks it's a genie <laughs> she in thinks a bottle. It, she literally thinks it's a genie in a bottle. So just <laughs> that's what she thinks. She saw Aladdin. She saw you rub the bottle to make the genie come out. That's what she thinks happening. I'm like 17. It's a ge- thinking that that was what he, she was talking about. No, I was much younger than that, but still, I was not the coolest kid, that's for sure. All right. The genie was out of the bottle as soon as Enetsui's work would be appearing in many countries. The first two hanging works, Woman's Cloth and Man's Cloth, both 2001, were purchased by the British Museum from a commercial gallery show in London. Museums from Tokyo and Washington, D.C. were 
waiting in the wings. Just waiting? Just like waiting. <laughs> Just waiting for the genie to come out of the bottle. <laughs> okay, so here's man's cloth, woman's cloth. These two works are not my favorite. I think also it has to do with the, the photography, like the level of photography mm-hmm. in the 90s or whatever. Because a lot of Bob's work, I worked when I worked for Bob or Linda, um, those early photos, you see them and you're just like, what? Robert but then you Overby. S- Robert Overby, yeah. His estate with Linda. Burnham. Yeah, with Linda Burnham. Um, you see the photos of it and then you see the original and you're like, oh, the original. It just doesn't look <laughs> anything like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think this photo is of when they were in that gallery at that moment. I think it's just a bad photo. Well, I'm think, sure they're gorgeous. <laughs> I think now photography has a different relationship with the work. So back in the day, it was just photographing the work in a place, not being like, here is the opportunity right. to see the work if exactly. you can't be there. It was just a historical reference. Like yeah. they were in this show. Exactly. Where now photography, especially the world's so connected through technology. It's like, if you can't be there, here, experience the work through your screen. So exactly. it's just a different expectation. Yeah. Agreed. Um, But these ones are, from what you can see, it looks like brown, but I think it might probably be gold, silver, and red. Yeah. They're definitely more like crunchy looking than his later ones. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's because the pieces are bigger that he used or like square, where some of his later, his newer ones are circles. And then Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes for a smaller, I was going to say pixel, but like, you know, you could, it can fold so much nicer. Mm Okay, so the lesson here is to use any recycled trash that you might find, make it into art, and you'll suddenly have museums waiting in the wings to buy and show your stuff. It's not true, but he was invited to the Venice Bien- Bien- Biennial, <laughs> Biennial. <laughs> the Venice Biennial in 1990, and did a ton of artist residencies in the 90s, and like Massachusetts and Denmark, and did workshops in Brazil. So he was on his way, but. These works really put, what, what is with me? These weird analogies put rocket fuel in the tank. I don't, sorry. I, I heartfeltedly, is that a word? Apologize. Elle says, when I first found the bag of bottle tops, I thought of the objects as links between Africa and Europe. The bottle tops were introduced by European traders and the alcohol was one of the commodities they brought with them to exchange for African goods. Eventually, alcohol was used in the transatlantic slave trade. Europeans made rum in the West Indies, took it to Liverpool, and then sent it back to Africa. For me, the bottle caps have a strong reference of the history of Africa. It's like in parts of the Caribbean when Jack finds the rum. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's not the only history I know. <laughs> hey, I mean... Shaman recalls about the first piece in the 2007 Venice Biennial. How the fuck do you say that? Biennial? Biennial, Biennale. Biennale. Um, About the first piece at the 2007 Venice Biennale, even the people doing the electrical were freaking out over the work. Just about how awesome it was? Yeah. Oh, the electric people? Yeah. Doesn't that remind you of... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I made it. I made this. Yeah, they were freaking out over the work. Um, at the end of the year, Sotheby's auction catalog featured a wraparound reproduction of the of an Anatsui folded around a Gerhard Richter, which, okay. Wait, what? Auction catalog featured a wraparound reproduction of an Anatsui folded around 
the Gerhard Richter. I mean, I guess I don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> but it, when I first read it, I didn't think twice. And I just pictured the auction catalog where the whole outside was his piece. And then mm-hmm. when you open it inside, it was oh, Gerhard like the Richter. inside cover. Like the inside that? cover was yeah, Gerhard Richter. Got it, yeah. got it. That makes sense. Who, if you don't know and you're not like in the art world, Gerhard Richter's huge. And go watch his documentary, which I own, actually. So Shaman says it was impossible to miss the implication. Anatsui had joined the big leagues. Gives me chills. All right, process. This is the fun part. I want to tell you a bit about how, uh, about making the works before I show you the amazing pieces I'm about to show you. Okay. Elle has tons, tons. I mean, like 40 people working Working for him. him. I heard in one video that he has up to 40 volunteer, quote unquote, volunteers, but it would surprise me if he didn't pay them. So I don't know if they're volunteers, actually. Hmm. I did hear, I couldn't find the actual information back, but I remember pretty clearly that he is like insisted on paying full tuition for all. He has like a bunch of grandkids for all of his grandkids to go to college and stuff. So... I can't imagine that his 40 workers are just volunteering. I'm pretty yeah. sure he pays them. In this R21 video, he says sometimes that he parks far <laughs> this correct me up, far from his studio and is about to walk in. He laughs and says he hears a lot of banter. And when he walks in, they're all super focused and silent. So he's one of those artists yeah. that's like, I want silence when you're working. And so oh, they're all I like, not like all like young that. guys, like fucking around, talking yeah. shit and stuff. And then he walks in and they're all like, just working. It works in studios like that. And it is awful. So I didn't picture him being that type of guy, but he says he expects complete silence and concentration when they're making the work because the studio is a sacred place where you come to do some reflection and thinking, which I totally agree. But I think, I think that's only for the artist. I was just going to say, it'd be hard if it's not your own work. So. Yeah. But I get it. I'll post a clip of this video on our stories, but Elle and his assistants have little pieces that they work on. So they'll like flatten all these things and clip them all together with these copper wires and they'll make like little chunks of them, probably like, I don't know, like two feet by two feet size chunks. And then they just all gather with their chunks and Elle will stand there and they'll like start arranging them like put them next to each other like this and then he'll look and they'll take a picture and then they'll take them all out and then they'll just rearrange them a different way and then he'll take another picture and they'll just do it forever and ever like try it in a circle try it like this put all the yellows together on this side That's and so, cool. so you should at least skim through this video real quick they're so patterned for bottle caps i know i really want you to see it up close i feel like san francisco owns a bunch i've seen one in two pieces in person oh okay Okay. so then you also need to watch this video of them installing an exhibit in kanazawa you would know how to pronounce that kanazawa kanazawa entitled who interprets the world it is so good because a it's gigantic like so big (gasps) it's so beautiful (laughs) isn't it and then b you get to see them manipulating it and how it folds Wow, there's some that are like hollowed out pieces. Mm-hmm. That is a high lift. Yeah. Holy moly. And then the way they just like <gasps> hold it up and then oh like pin God. it to the wall. God. 
and the sound of it echoing in the room. I love it because it's the most minimal too. It's all mm-hmm. basically one color. Yep. It's red, right? Oh, this might be my favorite. It's so cool, right? <laughs> it looks like royal tapestry. Yes. So that's one of the first videos I saw of him. And he's very, more, he's way more involved in the configuration of that particular piece. But like I was saying before, one of the things that's really important to him is letting others have control over installing it. Um, how they want in different ways in each time. And he says, it's like how we don't stay the same as we were when we were toddlers or teenagers or Mm -hmm. any stage of life that each piece should change and go through different versions of itself each time. And he strongly believes in pulling by force the creativity out of people and making them do it their own way, even though it makes them super uncomfortable. And he just like laughs about it. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I don't want to be a dictator. I want to be someone who suggests things. So that's kind of what he had that paper is like suggesting. Um, Museum people are trained to not be creative. Anatsui complains. Mm -hmm. And I find that very frustrating. Okay, I don't know who said this, but Anatsui's work brings this adaptable, unfixed quality into sculptural practice as jazz brought an African unfixedness into Western music, which blew my mind. I never Mm. thought about jazz as like the first time that music was not a fixed formula thing. Yeah, yeah. And that like African people brought that whole thing into it. And whoever made this connection, I was like, oh, my brain. <laughs> also, I think what was one of the most frustrating points in the critically acclaimed La La Land. Oh, uh-huh. He was supposed to be this like jazz guy. And of course it was like this white guy mm-hmm. showing a white girl about the jazz community. And it's yeah. just like, again, you had the opportunity to create African-American character and you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's all That's what white people do time and time again. They just like yeah. want to have the thing that African-American people are doing or any non-white people are doing. Um. Here is an example of a piece configured in two different ways for different exhibitions. And I I could look okay. at this forever. This one's called Old Bukpa. Old Bukpa. Two, Ooh, it looks 2009. like your nudes. Your noodles. Isn't it so cool? Yeah, your naked I pictures. know. <laughs> well, it's yellow. There's like... Whoa. Isn't it so cool? Wow. Right? So it's mainly yellow with like red and black noodles and other small red and black pieces. So it's hanging flat almost completely flat there's like two tiny little folds in it and Mm -hmm. then another curator like twisted it basically hung it from one corner yeah and then twisted it so that the back's shiny aluminum side was showing and like pinned that part to the wall and it's like on a downward slope angle yeah that's so cool right i love it so much more creative yes so if you were a curator how would you feel about (laughs) people manipulating your uh, or how about how would you feel about manipulating other people's work i think if it's part of the process it'd be so fun to spend time really playing with it i think that's the only way you can really figure out the form and i think some people are scared of doing that and i think being an artist definitely helps because you're not afraid of manipulating being like yeah manipulating and like the tactile approach of working with material um I think part of it, the second one's interesting, more interesting because you can see it all in the first one. Mm -hmm. So they really do work with each other. And I think that's the important thing about seeing it in different ways is, like he said, it continues to have 
new life where if it's always hung the second way you never see it becomes less interesting yep exactly like i just want to see it hung a thousand different ways yeah i feel like taking the term from master chef like the hero we're talking about like the hero of a dish you know Mm -hmm. like the hero of this this moment here is the peekaboo of the backside Mm -hmm. right yes like silver Ooh. yeah but the the hero moment for this the top one is the noodle lines which go against the norm of this like grid system Mm -hmm. so i think each time like you need to have this new moment that is unique i didn't find many i mean i guess i could have looked forever but i wanted to find more of different ways of manipulating it but this was the clearest one um okay this is really hard because there's so much work but i'm gonna skip to 2010 there's a thousand things and a ton of amazing pieces but he has a bunch of shows at this gallery called october gallery in london which i think is where he was showing before jack shaman and then things just start popping off from there. And why did I say popping off? <laughs> He's at the Fizzle Solo Show in Japan. The list goes on and on. So I'm skipping to my personal highlights, with which kind of happen to be like the big public works, of course. Of course. Um, okay. This is called Who Knows Tomorrow? Colon, group exhibitions at Alt National Gallery, Berlin, Germany. They write, the artistic projects reveal the entanglements and connections between Africa and Europe, the contours of the political map of the African continent still existing today were marked out at the Berlin Africa Conference in 1884-85, sealing the division of Africa among the Western powers. So here it is on this giant, like, government-looking building. Wow. Um, yeah, with those Roman columns, columns, yeah, and then like a a man, a bronze statue or some sort of statue of a man on a horse in front. So a, a across, there's kind of two pieces, but anyway, it's called ozone layer, and it's stretched across a couple columns, and then down, and then on the top of these other four or five columns. It almost looks like it's a photo that's glitching out what do you mean oh like especially the bottom one because the connectors become more transparent and see-through and then there's like the gap so it looks like a photo and then the sculpture looks like pixels you know Mm -hmm. and then like the photo is glitching out in the bottom left corner and then it's like coming together oh i see what you're saying yes and then there's little holes if you look at the close-up one in the in the mm-hmm. actual material. It's really pretty up close. Um, but it's funny how it kind of looks like from far away, you'd kind of be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like it just looks like who hung some weird shit on those pillars, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, maybe because the whole thing, it's not whole or whatever. But then you walk up to it and you'd be like, oh, damn. Um so that's that and then on the side of the building oh yeah here's the tin can lids is called yam mound 2010 <laughs> aka slice up your hands again <laughs> it's a gigantic uh <laughs> how you're just gonna kill your hands with sharp metal lids um but it's just like the ones before except piled into like a mountain or a mound yeah. i guess i really like that one it's really pretty 
The next one is called Garden Wall, 2011, at Architectural Environment. Architectural Environments for Tomorrow. New spatial practices in architecture and art at the Museum of Contemporary Art, Tokyo. So this is examining how artists and architects respond to environmental and urban problems and the spaces they create introduce new people introduce people to new experiences and approaches. It is a piece that it really looks like it something's growing on it, like mm-hmm. mold or like moss. Yeah, it's very like mossy. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly a square though, or like a slight rectangle on the wall. Yeah, on the wall. Then it grows into more organic shapes once it hits the ground. Yeah. So then. So it's kind of like black and red on one left corner and then the black and red kind of like grows out from the bottom. There's even like a few little pieces, like round pieces that are just totally detached from the whole thing. Um, And then on the right, it's like yellowy green, which also extends out. And it's super organic the way it extends. So it really does look like moss, Mm -hmm. just the way that the edge of the whole thing is. No wonder he has 40 people working for him. Yeah. Imagine. Okay. I mean, just think about that huge piece. Imagine how much work that took. Next one is group exhibitions at Royal Academy of Arts, London in the UK. Facade of the Burlington House. This has to be one of my favorites. It's the more often used gold shiny on top and then splits into more like white with little flecks of rectangles of bright colors like blue and yellow and green. Mm. And this is way more graphic. I know. Isn't that stuff. one cool? So I like it less. Oh, you like it less? That's funny. I yeah. like it more. Um it's standing in front of the sculpture again is like a very European looking man. Mm-hmm. He looks kind of like a dick and like he's in charge of something and he looks like he's gonna make laws to block women's rights or something. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's iconic. It's ironic. Your body, my choice. <laughs> he just has an accent. <laughs> um, so it's super ironic that this African man's sculpture made of trash, that the Europeans basically made this trash or forced this whole trade thing. And the Europeans are drinking the alcohol and then the trash ends up in, I mean, the whole thing is so fitting and I love it. So this one's called I-A, which means searching for connection, 2013. I read it as searching for Connecticut. Like, that's (laughs) weird. (laughs) He's like, I really would love to have a studio in Connecticut, but I don't know which state it is. I think it's one of the smaller ones. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Searching for Connecticut. I'm going to write that down. This was also rehung as an installation at Zietsmoka in South Africa. And there is a badass video on YouTube of these rock climber guys hanging it. It took them two months. There's a video. Just go watch it. It took them two months working at night. And they so first they had to install this big mesh thing. Was it on the ceiling? It's just hanging in the middle of the... It's just hanging in the middle. So they make this mesh thing and hang that and then they hang the piece on the mesh so it's just floating in the middle of this open airspace. Go look at the video. I love, I mean, this just brings me back to Christo using the rock climbers and all the other pieces too. Very cool. So again, some curator is like, this is how we're going to present it. This is the space we want to put it in. Okay, so it's still hanging down, just it's in the middle. Yeah, it's not like against a wall. It's just 
I was expecting it to be parallel to the floor on the ceiling. And then like, er, er, you would have been a good curator. (laughs) (laughs) Like basically becoming a ceiling. Yeah. 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 That would have been cool. And being hung into the ceiling. So there's different. So it's almost like mountains and. Yeah. 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 That's how I would hang it. Ooh, I like it. Anatsui, come, let her do it. (laughs) In In her house. (laughs) Uh, So this is another favorite of mine, but I did not like it when I first saw it. But I think there's something really special about this like rusted material. It's called Broken Bridge 2 Solo Exhibitions at the High Line, New York. It says, Anatsui presents his largest work to date, Broken Bridge 2, originally shown in Paris during the 2012 Triennale. (laughs) The work was reconfigured by the artist for this unique location. It's made of recycled pressed tin and mirrors woven together and reflects the surrounding landscape of Highline. So he picked this wall that was facing the skyscraper so that the mirrors could pick up the iconic skyline. His work is also way more industrial this one particularly is way more industrial than his others with this metal scraps instead of the jewel-like quality of the bottle caps he says i come from a place where i have a lot of sky the sky starts from almost the ground level and goes up over here you have to really look up to realize there is eventually sky do you have a photo of the whole piece oh right here it doesn't look impressive in that that's why i wanted you to see the video it must have been a gray day or whatever um, but if you go down, it's where it mm-hmm. originally showed in Paris. It looks really impressive. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Art Zuid. Art Zuid. 2013. Group exhibitions at Amsterdam, the Netherlands. So this is featuring non-Western artists such as Ai Weiwei, Anatsui. Dinkuli. Pascal Martin Tayu. I shouldn't have put all these artists. And... Oh, Jesus. Romald Azumé. <laughs> Whose works will be on display amongst the sculptures of Western artists such as, damn it, John Chamberlain. Chiyida. Erwin Worm. Mario Merz. Romain Signe. Richard Long and Frank Stella. There you go. You know those two. I know Frank Stella and Richard Long. <laughs> okay. These ones are the kind of the ones I was talking about, like laying it in a field. Yeah. So uh, he has all these pieces that are just... I like the ones hanging in the tree. Yeah, like the most draped over tree branches yeah. hanging from the tree. And then there's just like a huge piece is just like draped over this big bush, like, mm-hmm. and then coming down off the bush onto the grass. I just crack up at if you go down this next picture, it's a gigantic <laughs> bush, and there's just like bloop, like a bunch of <laughs> rectangles just laying on top of the bush. It's so weird. And then there's just like four people just standing there looking at them. (laughs) It really messes with scale. It's like almost cloth that you like put on the ground or towels on the ground. Yeah. But then people are like, And that's what I said. So they're called drying towels. Oh, there you go. (laughs) These works. Wind under their wings. (laughs) Wind beneath your wings. What? Isn't that like a Catholic song or something? And I will raise you up on eagles' wings. What? Just that a, is not just what us I'm Catholics. Thinking. Okay. What the wind beneath my wings? Who is it? Bette Midler. Oh yeah, my mom totally had that either album or something. 
So these works included in the show are called Drying Towels from 2008. And it makes me laugh super hard to see giant towels drying on bushes. I loved them before I saw the title and then after I loved them even more because it was funny. Okay, Venice, Italy, 2015. Another public work, it's Italy. There's like these kind of archway, all these archway windows and the building is super duper old looking brick. Um, and the piece kind of just reflects that or like camouflages into it. It has even like holes in the pieces that look all mm-hmm. irregular, almost like it's tattered. And it a little bit like Christo like forms to the sides mm-hmm. of the building or all around it. And then at the bottom, it fades down to this red, which at the bottom of the building is also red brick. I wonder if, yeah. I don't know if he made it specifically for the spot or it what, looks but it really specific. looks like it. Yeah. And then there's like a faint red grid in the, in mm-hmm. the whole piece I too, really like the grid. which of course Lindsay loves. I love it. And then at the bottom is where all the little crimps are. So it's just like hanging mm-hmm. pretty flat and then it's just like ripple, ripple, ripple. And then at the bottom, it's like super crimpy. It's picked up so you can walk in the door basically. Yep. So if you look, go down further, you can see it's actually really, it doesn't look colorful, wow. but it's actually really colorful in real life. Super rainbowy. Yeah. It's there. like super bright red and blue and yellow, like primaries and then some black and those like more silvery gold colors in there. But what are these bottle caps that turn into rectangles? I don't even know what they are. I'm not sure what all of them are. So... I think these might be like the some sort of like around the top of it. Hmm. You know what I mean? That you like peel off and it comes out. But I'm not really sure what kind of okay. bottle cap that is. But if you look at the back of them, they're definitely not round. Or like that's what they look like. It's not like they cut yeah. them to be that way. They did fold the tops a little to make it like triangular at both ends. Right. Looks like a trapezoid. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sorry. My bad. Uh, the Contemporary 2, Who Interprets the World? Kanazawa. <laughs> Kanazawa. Yeah, everything's very kind of like democratic. I'm sure Elle loves it. Not like Kanazawa. It's just like Kanazawa. Kanazawa. Okay. Why did I get it way wrong? <laughs> <laughs> You're teaching me. Kanazawa. <laughs> uh, uh, so the contemporary two asks how contemporary artists rooted in different cultures see and convey the state of a larger world beyond their community. So basically every show he's in, it's like, who are the artists that aren't in the normal canon? Ooh, it's you guys. You're Asian. You're African. Let's put you together. So whatever, but fine. Fine. I'm glad that they're showing them uh, rooted in different cultures to see and convey the state of the larger world beyond their community. They're like, let's not be close-minded. This is the piece in the video that I showed you, but mm-hmm. I just had to show off and say where it's displayed. It's called Perspectives 2015. But it's different here, right? Um, is this, this is the same show. I think this is how it ended up, yeah. Well, in the video, they left the top folded over. Oh, I don't remember that part. Because the top was folded over. Maybe it wasn't done being hung, but it was gold, like light on the other side. So it was a nice kind of top balance to it. Um, I would have left it like that. Time for me to curate some. I can't wait for you to curate some L. (laughs) He's going to love it. You're going to be so in charge. Don't talk to me with your piece of paper. Don't tell me how to (laughs) fold it. (laughs) Take your garbage paper 
here. I'll take your garbage artwork and you take your garbage paper and we'll part ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> so messed up. Okay. The earth, I really like this, probably just because it's yellow. Uh, wow. The earth shedding its skin, 2019 at the Ghanaian Pavilion at the Venice Biennale. Again, with these like weird hexagony shaped pieces. It's just yellow and it kind of looks like that Getty wall or whatever where it's rounded. Mm-hmm. And it almost reminds me of the the moss feeling of that garden piece because it's just these organic edges and then it's kind of see-through and then more organic little pieces everywhere. Yeah, this one, it's very just silver and yellow with specks of, I don't know if it's negative space or black. Is it ne- just negative? I think it's behind? negative space. If you look yeah. like at the detail, it's probably those pieces. Uh, So this one's called Triumphant Scale Haus de- der Kunst Munich 2019. The show is huge. Remember when he was like, the biggest thing he's made to date. That was mm-hmm. before this. <laughs> okay. Um, this is his biggest thing. It features his bottle cap works from the past two decades, as well as his lesser known wood sculptures, wall reliefs, ceramic sculptures, drawings, prints, and sketchbooks. I didn't show you any of his drawings or prints because it's just too much. So the first thing you go is it's the outside of the building is adorned with this huge installation called Second Wave. The Freeze article wrote, Second Wave 2019 incorporates thousands of an offset printing plate sourced from the Bavarian newspaper, which is so cool, crushed, bent, folded, and welded into 22 panels. They roll in a manner evocative of their title from left to right, steadily gaining color and momentum. For the full width, this is the longest sentence, for the full width of the historic building's 110 meter facade, it's Anatsui's largest work to date. I don't think I put this in. Why? Something super interesting. This is Hitler's museum that he made for all the good art. Okay, well, damn it. Basically, I'm almost positive. But basically, this museum was the museum that, like, Hitler started, and they've been trying to, like, re- establish it as not a racist fucked up museum rebrand yeah they're like we swear it's just a big space that we're using now and i swear so for him it was kind of a big deal to be have this huge show so that's why this kind of had this huge significance for him to have this all-encompassing show of Mm -hmm. all of his a lot of his work so he's basically like a pawn for this museum Mm, slightly but also it meant a lot to him to be like Haha, fuckers, like I'm (laughs) not in L's words. (laughs) I'm an African, like you conquered us, Europe, Mm -hmm. and now I'm back and I'm conquering y'alls. Okay. (laughs) Y'all. Uh-huh. Handy dandy notebook. Second wave (laughs) references the building's second coming, but it was a symmetry of the architecture that first caught Anasui's eye. He wanted to disrupt all those 90 degree angles says Damien Lentini, who assisted the show's curators. The work was inspired by something far quirkier too. The spot a few paces from the museum where a small river bursts from the ground only to encounter a concrete block and produce an artificial wave. Even in midwinter, the Eisbachwelle attracts a queue of surfers, which I thought was hilarious. People are surfing in this, which reminds me of how we have surfers in the in the Platte River in Denver. So here's 
this work has been shown a bunch of times. It's like you're saying kind of looks like Ruth's. So instead mm-hmm. of just having the pieces be flat, he makes them into a long piece and then like has them like when you're rolling tape to make it sticky on all sides, kind of just like rolls them into like a circle and then links. So they're all these links. So it's see through and they hang them amongst each other. So it's like you walk through and around them. They're kind of like a chain version of Dan. Yeah, like chain mail version of Dan Graham's work, actually. That photo is from the New York Times. They had some really nice photos because it was more like about the people in the space than it was. I mean, obviously it was about the artist, but they just took some more interesting photographs. Um, So then, so this piece that I'm just talking about, this like chain meal looking piece is called Lagaligi? logarithm 2019 how are you saying it chain meal isn't that what it's called chain mail chain mail yeah oh sorry i wasn't alive during the medieval period (laughs) (laughs) i've had no reason to say that word ever chain meal (laughs) chain meal you know it's a meal of chains um sorry chain what is it mail chain mail like snail mail but with chains. Oh, is it M-A-I? L? Yeah. Now, can you tell me <laughs> Logology Logarithm? Logarithm? Logology Logarithm. Logology. Diaphanesius? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. It's getting to the end, guys. Dia- diaphanous? Diaphan. A walkthrough labyrinth of diaphanous suspended panels that fill the second. An earlier version of this work called Glee, which translates to wall, 2010, comprised just five panels. This one has a whopping 66, reminding us, if we need reminding, of the title of the show. What's the title of the show? Uh, Triumphant Scale. Another Triumphant Scale one kind of looks like that one a little bit from where Mm. the dick on the horse was standing. This one... I think you're talking about it right now. Yep. The all white one. Yes. Right? Yeah. It kind of looks like Felix Gonzalez Torres's white curtain. Ooh, it does kind of. Right? Except you can't see through it. Just with some like beeps of color at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't see. I it. really like this. What is on the top? It's like shinier white cream on the top than like a mm-hmm. cooler creamy grayish matte on the most of the other part. And then colors like you said on the bottom mm-hmm. i really like it's clifford still meets felix gonzalez torres in el anatsui's work clifford oh yeah with the little boops right, on the like, bottom yeah like clifford he has some work that's like all just canvas, canvas yeah and just like little peeps of color from the mm-hmm. side that's what it looks even like. the way it's coming up like mm-hmm. cliffs would always be like, like kind of jagged yeah 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 okay uh, and I love this photo New York Times put of this guy standing there. It kind of mm-hmm. shows you, because you see it and you're like, oh, cool. Next to that bench, it doesn't look that big. Then you see yeah. the guy and you're like, oh. Oh, this one's called Rising Sea. In Rising Sea 2019, a powerful work inspired by the tsunami that struck Japan in 2011, mm-hmm. fragile cityscapes appear to be sliding into the water. And that's the closest the artist comes to presenting a narrative or spelling out a meaning. <laughs> you all take things too literally, he chided Latini gently at the opening. Maybe we do. El Anatsui is a great abstract artist. His strength lies in the mesmerizing beauty of his abstractions. And the New York Times said, Mr. Anatsui's art, 
also displays an intense involvement with the post-colonial experience, first in the glyphs and nicks of the wood sculptures and later in each bottle cap. Though the alcohol the caps once stoppered is made in Nigeria, the drinks carry vestiges of centuries of cultural exchange. Beer comes from Egypt and the Middle East. Gin comes from distilleries of England and rum from the West Indian plantations worked by slaves brought from Mr. Anatsui's home continent. So this one's called The Beginning and the End. This one is really cool. I like the black and gold. And there's no really, well, there's a few like little green or like turquoise-ish mm-hmm. pieces and stuff. But mostly it's just all this like black and gold. Do you see in the corner, it looks like a Picasso cubist face in the dead center of it? Oh, yeah. Ew, it looks old and <laughs> saggy though. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Mount Rushmore. There's a bunch of weird yeah. saggy faces. Is that like a creepy smile? Yeah. Ew. It reminds me of something Disney would do in the 50s and f- mm-hmm. that would creep the fuck out of us yeah. at this point in time. <laughs> there's, an in the beginning insane, there's an insane amount of bottle caps. In the Omega. Uh, in every... What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> like how I just tried to ignore it completely when I didn't understand. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Oh, Lindsay's talking. Let's just keep talking. You were just saying such weird things. I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'll just maybe uh, if I ignore was... her, she'll. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best friend in the entire world. Maybe if I just ignore her, she'll stop talking, <laughs> and then I can continue to talk. Uh... <laughs> I left out a bunch. There's so many bottle cap pieces in every color. They're all stunning. He has all these pieces from chainsawed wood and drawings and prints and stuff. He's made so much, but I just couldn't include it all because we all know. I was going to say we're on a budget, but we don't have any money. (laughs) Uh, For many visitors to Venice, the mosaic like beauty of Anatsui's glittering sculptures. This is definitely a quote, but it doesn't say it is. I've never heard you say. Glittering sculptures. Made them an unquestioned highlight of, and in some ways, an antidote to much of the rest of the Biennale. So Susan Vogel photographed a lot of these pieces, and she's also the one who made his documentary, which is called Fold, Crumple, Crush. And that's... Ooh, where can we find that documentary? You have to buy it, and I couldn't find it. So... It's not on... Like, it's not on Amazon Prime. You have to buy it. So Like a physical copy. Yeah, that's why I didn't do it. But it's 20 bucks. I mean, I don't know. So anyway, she also, she knew him very well. As Susan Vogel, a professor of the African art at Columbia University, remembers Anatsu's work was, quote, the last thing you saw in the arsenal. And it was so different from everything else. Not only in materials and scale, but in beauty. It was the only thing that wasn't pessimistic. You trudge past images of ruination and you arrive at uplift, a resolu- at resolution. Uh, another moment in 2009 where Vogel was asking Elle if he felt satisfied by his recent success and career. Alex Worth writes, which was only in 2009. Mm-hmm. Alex Worth writes, there was a pause. Oh no, Anatsui answered. My ambition is to get better. He spoke briefly about artists he admires Anthony Gormley, Anish Kapoor, Kapoor. James Terrell. I'm not there yet. He continues with a faint smile. I know there's more room up there. Foreshadowing. 
Right. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. I used Anatoly's site, Freeze, New York Times, Jack Shaman Gallery site, Wikipedia, Tate website, and Wide Walls, mostly. I'm so happy you did him because I saw his work in person. I think it was at LACMA and it was incredible and it stuck with me, but I didn't know anything about him. So he's a badass and he just like got into this whole contemporary sphere and yeah, he's just taken over and how he stayed at home. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. like, wow, I made a million dollars. Peace. Like I'm out of here. Yeah. He stayed at home. He made his work from there. He stayed there. He's been teaching all those many generations of artists mm-hmm. and giving them hope. I mean, imagine how important he is to his whole community to be like, look, I did it. I infiltrated yeah. <laughs> Western society and, and I, I made this amazing work and I'm here representing us and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. 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 And I will raise you up on Eagle's wings. Bear you at the breath of dawn. Make you to shine like the sun. And hold you in the palm of his hand. Is this about God? <laughs> yep. Bye bye. Love you. Bye.